Well, turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. We're continuing our study in what we're calling relationship to Christ and the church. And we're seeing a number of ways that God describes our relationship. Because when we trust in Christ, we come into this eternal relationship with God. And that's what I love about it, because he gives us eternal life, which means it's an eternal relationship, and we'll always be with him. We call the church the body of Christ. But there's several ways that the Bible describes our relationship. And so we've been seeing this uh, seven different ways. And here's what we've been looking at. We've been seeing that Christ is the shepherd and we're the sheep, the emphasis of salvation, that he's the groom and we're the bride, and the emphasis of relationship. He's the last Adam, we're the new creation, uh, we're, that we're a new person. He's the high priest, this is where we are now. He's the high priest and we're the priest, the emphasis is worship. He's the vine, we're the branches, that's our growth. He's the head of, and we're the body, that's service. And then finally, he's the cornerstone and we're the building blocks, and that's evangelism. So where we are, we've been seeing this, and we're now to the fourth one. He's the high priest uh, and we're the priest, and we've already seen two lessons on it, really more about him being the high priest. We've seen that when this morning, we're going to actually see what our role is. Because you may not realize it, but you're a priest. And what do we do as priests? Uh, of those who represent our Savior, Jesus Christ. So that's some great things. When, we, uh, when you think of a priest, we think of the office of a priest. It goes all the way back through the Bible. Do you realize that when you look at the Bible of Abraham or Noah, even Adam and Eve, there were the father was the priest of the family. The father offered sacrifices for his family. The father is the one that sort of was the, the go-between. Noah offered sacrifice for himself and his family. Job did the same thing. Abraham did the same thing. When the nation of Israel came out of Egypt and God set them apart, gave them a law, set apart a people, he decided he would pick a tribe, one particular tribe, to be the priest. It was the tribe of Levi coming out from the family of Aaron, and they became the priest. And, of course, Aaron's son, Aaron was the high priest, and then his next son would be, his oldest son would be the next high priest, on and on and on. When you get to the time of Christ, and we've been teaching this, I've got a class we're doing on Wednesday nights, and it's pretty, I love the class, and it's talking about Jesus and his world, and we said that by the time Jesus came, that the whole priesthood, everything's mixed up. Instead of it being passed down, it became a political office. In fact, at the time of Christ, there were actually two high priests. But when we think about it, at the time of Jesus, he's, he's coming as the great high priest, and he came as the great high priest, fulfilling the role of the great high priest. He died and rose again. He offered himself as the final sacrifice for sin forever. When you start and think about the New Testament and the church age, we forget that there's still priests. Now, we know some denominations, they have their, their, like their pastor, sometimes they call them a priest and those kind of things. But often we don't think about it that way and we say, what about like priests like under the Mosaic Law? And we, we say no. But we are under our great high priest, Jesus Christ. What do we do and what is our role? And we're going to see that this morning. I think there's some really neat things there that you may not have ever realized. So let's go back with a quick review and we raise this question. Then what is a priest? Well, the priest represents man to God. They're the go-between. And so the priest makes intercession and sacrifice. We talked about that. The priest was the go-between and interceded for the people. The priest offered, offered sacrifices. Then this next thing we saw, which, which took us a week there, how is Jesus Christ our great high priest? Well, he makes intercession for us. He's seated at the right hand of the throne of the Father, making intercession. Therefore, we can come boldly to the throne of grace. We can confess our sins. We can come. He's our advocate. He's our intercessor. He is all of those things. He also makes a sacrifice. And he makes the final sacrifice for sin forever. So when you think about Jesus as the great high priest, you go, wow, he's everything. 
In fact, you never need another priest technically, especially to deal with sin because Jesus is the great high priest who died and rose again and paid for sin and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. With that in mind, then what about us? What do we do? Well, we see our relationship is what do we do as priests? Because every one of us in this room who knows Jesus Christ, you put your faith in him and you have, you've, you've believed in him for eternal life, well, then you are a priest. And we need to realize, unlike the Old Testament, uh, they, were, they were priests. The New Testament, every believer is a priest. The Old Testament, just one tribe and one group. But for us, everyone, we're all priests. We're not a select group, not some select group, but everyone. Look at this right here, the First Peter passage. But you, talking about the church, the body, we're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation of people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He's writing to these believers, and he says, we're a royal priesthood. That's what he calls us. And you may say, really? I'm a priest. You are. You are. Revelation chapter 1, verse 6. And he has made us into a kingdom priest to his God and Father. To be him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Some translations actually say he has made us into a kingdom of priests, which may be the better translation than what we've got up there. So we are a kingdom of priests. We are a group of priests. Well, what do priests do? Do you remember what priests do? We've seen it over and over. They make intercession and offer sacrifices. And so we stop for a minute and we say, okay, I got it. I can see maybe intercession, sacrifices? What sacrifices do we offer? Because I've never been in a local body where they brought in an animal and killed an animal and sacrificed it. Because we know under the Mosaic system, the sacrifices covered sin. And they, some, of the, some of the sacrifices were just regular old sacrifices that were like for an offering of something. But then some, many of them, covered sin. Well, since Jesus came, and he's the final sacrifice for sin forever, what sacrifices do we offer? We know it's not animals, because the, the blood of bulls and goats could never take away sin, do anything like that. So what do we offer? Well, we see that we make intercession and offer sacrifices. So let's talk about intercession. If you remember in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, he says, let prayer be made for all people. So one of the things that we do as priests of one another is we pray for one another. We make intercession for one another. And see, there's, there's, there's at least four different Greek words for prayer. And in 2 Timothy 2.1, there's four there. And then one of the other places, there's four. And then another place, there's three. One of the words just means to bow down. It means to put your face to the ground. Prasukame. It means to fall down, put your face down. It's an idea of worship. There's another word for prayer that has an idea of a fellowship. There's another word for prayer that means to ask for something for yourself. It's, it's the word sometimes uh, translated petition where you say, Lord, I, I need A on this test or I need to make it here or please help me do this. And then there's another word that means to ask for something for somebody else. And that's the word for intercession. And so what we do as priests is we intercede. We intercede for each other. How many times have you said to somebody, hey, pray for me, I got this going, right? We just prayed for Danny Maxine on their trip. We just prayed for whoever was involved in that, that accident. We pray for our friends and family all the time. Somebody says something, say, oh, I'll, would you pray for this? Oh, yeah, I'll pray for this. Do you realize that when you say you'll pray for something, you're actually ask, acting as a priest? That's what he calls us. Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing but everything by prayer and supplication. Let your requests be made known. So we're making requests to God. We're making intercession. So that's one of the things we do. We make intercession. Now here's the second part. 
And I, I don't know how long this will go, and if we get through, we'll just go to the grow group earlier. But here's the deal. The second thing is sacrifices. Now, let's stop for a minute and realize there are no sacrifice. There's no, we have no sacrifice for sin. Jesus is the final sacrifice for sin forever. Can you imagine thinking, if you go, and when, when did sacrifices start? You say, well, uh, we know they, they were at least started with Moses because that's when God gave all these different sacrifices. And you say, well, no, no, no. You go back all the way to Abraham, and you know that Abraham offered sacrifices. But then you say, no, what? Well, you got to go back. Noah, when he got off the ark, what did he do? He offered a sacrifice. Well, then if you go all the way back to Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, what did they do? It says at the end of the days, that meant the end of the week. First day of the week is what day? Sunday, last day of the week is Saturday. It's called the Sabbath day. And Cain and Abel brought what? What did they bring? Sacrifices. Sacrifices are a way. There's something that you give, you give up. You know, a sacrifice is not a sacrifice if it costs you nothing. It has to cost you. And so they would bring animals. Cain and Abel brought different things. Of course, uh, Abel brought an animal. Cain brought a turnip, cause you can't, but you can't get blood out of a turnip. So anyway, anyway, we'll talk more about that some other time. But see, all the way through the Old Testament, people are bringing sacrifices. Some to deal with sin, and some just as offerings of worship. And so all the way through... And so we now have come to us, and we say, oh, well, that's all over. Because the, the sacrificial system under the Mosaic law ended at Jesus Christ, because the Bible says Christ is the end of the law, who all who believe. And so the Mosaic law of the sacrifices and the priesthood and the Levites and, and Aaron and all that, that's over with. It is, it is. And you say, so now we're in the church, so we don't have any sacrifices. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. You go, well, what are they? Well, let's, let's think about what they are. Because we realize that we offer sacrifices. In fact, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5 says, You also, talking to us as believers, as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood. That's us. To offer what? What does it say? Spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God. How? Through Jesus Christ. You offer sacrifices. You offer spiritual sacrifices. You may say, I don't remember ever doing one. <laughs> what are they? What does the Bible say are the sacrifices that each of us offer? Well, let's start with the, probably the big one. And the big one is we offer ourselves. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, he says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, I urge you, brothers, by the mercies of God to present what? To present your bodies as living and holy, what, as a living and holy what? Sacrifice. Your body's a sacrifice. Now, I want you to notice something there. He says, present your body as a living and holy sacrifice. In the Old Testament, what kind of sacrifices did they bring? Animal. Animal a dead sacrifice. You killed them. You cut, cut the throat, put it up on there, they died. They died in your place. In the New Testament, we offer a sacrifice, and the first one we offer is ourselves. It's a living sacrifice. And holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service. This is what's normal. This is what is expected of a believer is to offer your life. He says, literally in the Greek, stop being conformed to this world, but be, keep on being transformed by the renewing your mind. So you might know what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. He says, offer your 
life, your body. He doesn't just say offer your mind. He says offer your body. Our lives are for him. Our bodies are for him. And you know, let me just tell you, that's a key thing. When you believe in Jesus Christ, let, let me, let's talk about this for just a second. There is an issue of salvation. Salvation costs us absolutely nothing. It is a gift. By grace you have been saved through faith, that not yourselves, it's the gift of God. Whoever believes in him will never perish but have what? Everlasting life. You're saved not because you say to God, I'm going to serve you, I'm going to live for you. You're saved because you say, I'm trusting Jesus Christ, I'm believing in him to give me eternal life. That's the promise. As a believer, now that you are a child of God, you have a great sacrifice you can offer, and that is actually yourself. And when you say to God, God, I give you my life. I want my life to count for you. I want to go wherever you want me to go. I want you to do what I want to do, whatever you want me to do. I give you my life. And he says, offer, let me go back on this verse for a second. He says, you offer what? You offer our lives, your bodies, as living in holy sacrifice. And this is acceptable to God because this is your spiritual service of worship. Remember, this is a spiritual sacrifice. And so we offer our lives to God, our bodies to God. Now, I trusted Christ when I was 19 years old. I wandered down the hall, wandered into a Bible study, didn't want to be in a Bible study. They shut the door. I couldn't get out. I heard the message. First time in my life, I thought you had to be good to go to heaven. I thought if you did more good than bad, you could go to heaven. I heard that night that being good had nothing to do with salvation, that all the good works could not pay for one sin. I heard how Jesus died on the cross, paid for my sin, and rose again. And if I would believe in him, he would give me, as a promise, eternal life. In that exact moment, when I could, if I believed in him, he would save me and give me eternal life. That night, I believed in him, and I had eternal life that exact moment. February 13th, 1969, that's when I trusted Christ. It wasn't until six or seven years later that I had been just living and doing whatever I wanted to do, knowing and actually doing some wrong things, but knowing that I should be living for Christ because he saved me, he gave me eternal life. And so at a point in time, one night after football, I was coaching football at Mississippi State or on the football staff, and I came home from spring training, it was in the spring, and my life was miserable because I had sinned in my life and I wasn't doing what God wanted me to do. And I came home and I said, Lord, I want my life to count for you. I give you my life, my body, as a living and holy sacrifice. I want my life to count for you. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. If it means not being a coach, I'll not be a coach. I want to do whatever you want me to do. My life was never the same after that. Now, that's not salvation. That's discipleship. And so to offer as a living sacrifice our bodies, that's a big deal, and it's a one-time deal. By the way, it's actually written in the, in the Greek when it says, present your body. It's the idea of this is what you do. It's not something you do over and over again. Now, you may wake up every day and say, Lord, take my life. Let me, use me today for your glory. That's okay. But at a point in time, you said to him, take my life. And use me for your glory. I hope and pray every one of you in this room who already believed in Christ and you have eternal life and it costs you absolutely nothing. When you come to this one, it costs you your life. It's called discipleship. And you say to him, I die to myself and I want to live for you. I give my life as a living sacrifice. And it's powerful. You'll never be the same. Listen, I, I, I had eternal life from age 19 to about 25 or 26. 
And it wasn't until 25 or 26 that I made the decision that I'm, I said, Lord, I want my life to count for you. I've never been the same. I'm pretty bad now. I think how bad I'd be if I hadn't done that. But anyway, the bottom line is, where are you? I hope and pray that every one of you in this room, that you have offered your life as a living sacrifice in your service. It has nothing to do with your salvation. It has to do with your discipleship. I, I, this is a quote that I use a lot. That I, that it, it, I said, because he says, let me, let me go back to this for this just a second. He says, here's what we do. We stop being conformed. This word means to be shaped. We stop being conformed, shaped to this world. But what we do is we get transformed. Metamorphosis is the Greek word. It means to change from the inside out. We get changed by the renewing of our mind. So we're not being conformed and shaped by this world, but we're transformed by the word of God. And so I always say this right here, that uh, if we're not consciously being transformed by the word of God, we will unconsciously be conformed to the world. And I've got to just say that. That's true. You may say, well, I'm doing fine. No, you're not. If you're not consciously studying the Bible and letting it transform you to be more and more like Christ, unconsciously, this world is shaping you. It's shaping your views. It's basing your life. It's, it's, it's uh, shaping you. It's conforming you. So if you're not consciously being transformed by the Word of God, you will unconsciously be conformed to this world. That's why so many believers look just like unbelievers, live in the same way. Because instead of offering their lives and growing and making an impact for Christ and letting their minds be transformed by the Bible, they're living just like the world. So we offer our lives. So the first one is to offer our lives. And that's the big one because it changes everything. Here's the second one. The second one is Hebrews 13, 15. It says, we offer up praise and thanksgiving. Look at this. Through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips praising his name. Do you realize that when you say glory to God and I love Jesus, he's the greatest, you're actually offering sacrifices when you praise. The sacrifice of praise, as some people call it the sacrifice of praise, and it is an offering. It's an offering to God. And any time we say, thank you, Lord. Lord, is the, you are the greatest. I love God. He is all-powerful. He loves us beyond we can imagine. You're offering up the sacrifice of praise. It's powerful. And you can do that anytime, any place, anywhere. And that's why I think it's so important that believers gather in corporate worship to praise God together, to offer up the sacrifices of praise as a community. You know, people always say things like, well, you don't have to go to church. No, no, nobody has to do anything. Salvation isn't dependent on whether you go to church. Salvation is based on Jesus Christ who died for you and gives you eternal life. But he tells you, seek not to forsake the assembly of yourselves. Gather with fellow believers so that you can worship him. You can sacrifice, give the sacrifice of praise. We think about when the Jews would come together. They'd come together in the temple area, and they brought what? Sacrifices. Some of them were sacrifices of praise. We come together as fellow believers. We're all priests. What can we offer? Sacrifices of praise. The third and fourth one go together. It's called doing good and sharing. Those are both sacrifices. Watch. Do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. So one of them is to do good. And, and Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should do that. It's important that we as believers do good. And when you do good to other people, 
You may just think, well, I just did good. That's no big deal. When you do good, you are offering a sacrifice to God. As a priest of God, he says, great, and, I, and you do good. Galatians 6.10 says, do good to all people. And then he goes on to say, especially the household of faith. He says, do good to all people, but especially to fellow believers. Isn't it amazing? Sometimes we don't even get along, and yet we're supposed to love each other and do good to each other. It's amazing. So we've got a sacrifice, which is our lives. We've got a sacrifice, which is praise. We've got a sacrifice of doing good works. And we have one more. Sacrifice of giving. Do you realize that when you give, whether you put it in a little plate, whether you do it electronically, whether you write a check, whether you put it in the mail, when you give, you're offering a sacrifice to God. Now remember, sacrifices cost you. The first sacrifice of your body, it costs you your life. The second one is a, a praise. It causes you to quit thinking about yourself and praise him. The sacrifice of doing good. Instead of somebody doing good to you, what are you doing? You're doing good to somebody else. And this last one is giving. It's powerful. I, uh, let, me, let, me, let me put, the, oh, there it is. I forgot that it was up there. Paul, Paul writes, I, I have received everything in full. The Philippians sent him stuff. And this guy by the name of Papaditis got it. He said, I've received everything from a Papaditis. What you have sent, what you have sent to me, you're giving to me as a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. So anytime you give, anytime you give to somebody, anytime you share in that way, you're actually sacrificing to God. And it's an acceptable one. It's pleasing to God. Wow. The early church, I don't know if this is on the, let me just see. No, it's not. Let me, let me read this to you because we had, I thought it was, I thought we'd put it on there, but we didn't. Listen to this. This is the early church. This is the, the believers within the, the first, not very long after Christ died and rose again. It says, there was not, this is the people all meeting together, and it says, there was not a needy person among them. For all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales, and they would lay them at the apostles' feet, and they would then distribute it to each one who had a need. In the early church, it was giving. That was a sacrifice. They, and, and, you know, here's the thing, and I, and I think that sometimes we don't think about it. As believers, a sacrifice costs you. And somebody might say, well, I'm a priest, but I don't know about it. What sacrifices do I give? Yourself, your praise, your good works. You're giving. All of those are acts of worship and sacrifice to God. And you know, it's not the amount of giving. By the way, just remember, that's not the amount of giving. It's really your heart. It's, you know, there are people who are wealthy who give a little bit, and that's nothing. Remember Jesus when he saw that little lady go and throw less than, less than a penny, would be less than a penny into the offering. And Jesus said, see that little woman? She gave more than anybody else because she gave, she gave everything she had and they gave out of their surplus. And so giving is an act of worship, an act of worship. Wow. So as priests, what do we do? We offer our bodies, we offer praise and thanksgiving, we do good, and we share. So where are you as a priest? What are we doing? So we think about it, 
As a priest, we make intercession and we sacrifice, not for sin, but for spiritual sacrifices. And as we think about Jesus, he is the high priest and we are priests. As the high priest, he lives to make intercession. He lives a life well-pleasing to God, and he offered the final sacrifice for sin forever. That's him as our great high priest. Us, we are his priest. We make intercession for others, and we offer up spiritual sacrifices of our lives, our praise, our works, and our sharing. Powerful, powerful truth. Let me give you some applications. First, let's pray for one another. That's intercession. That's what we do as priests. We pray for one another. We can come boldly to the throne of grace because Jesus Christ is the go-between. And he says, as a priest, you can come to me anytime, anyplace, anywhere, about anything, and we offer up the sacrifices. You know, what we're going to have to do is you have to get to know people to know what to pray for them for. Because in a real world, and you say to somebody, how you doing? They go, fine. They're not fine. They're not fine. And if you get to know them, you can say, I can pray for that for you. Or would you pray for that for me? Because we're not fine. We're good and we're blessed and we're righteous and we're holy and it's beyond what we could imagine. But there are things that are happening in every life that we need each other. And that's why he says, as priests, you make intercession for each other. The second aspect, let's offer up spiritual sacrifices. Ourself, our praise, our good works, and our giving.